podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Rashford, he's in here. He scores! Marcus Rashford takes yet another step up the ladder. And it's a lad from Manchester who scored. Only chance in my team like Man U. Trying to get in again. Thank you, man. Bars in my head like shampoo. Violate my squad, might bang you. Only chance in my team like man you. Yeah, like man you. Thank you, man. Bars in my head like shampoo. Violate my squad, might bang you. Only chance in my team like man you. Yeah, like man you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make United Great Again. Um, I'm joined by Reams. Fucking hell, man. You, this is a fucking streak f- f- from you, my guy. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, this is called consistency, man. Not, not <laughs> many people know about that. It's consistency. I hear it. Maybe you can teach it to our fucking attackers, mate, but... Ah, <laughs> he, he knows. He knows. He knows. And then that laugh you could hear is our resident... The doctor treating all our our illnesses. Michael, how you doing? Trust me, I need to get onto Varane, man. We need that man back. <laughs> Fab, he, he he might need a little meat. Anyway, pause. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we're getting you out of here one of these days. <laughs> Trust me, he needs to be arrested. <laughs> Ah, oh, man. Anyway, um, yeah, so um, if you haven't listened to the Patreon of the post-match reactions of Tottenham, we should hope to be doing that more regularly. Now, we didn't do one for Chelsea, but probably going to do one next week for West Ham. Um, so make sure you keep pressing us for that. Um, so um, we're going to go in chronological order. Spurs, um, I'll come to you, Michael. How did you feel about um the game in oh, terms of coming into it. Oh, it was a brilliant game to watch, man. Like, I think that's easily the best uh, we played under Eric Ten Hag. It was just, we were just all over them. Like, I, obviously, I've not watched too many Spurs games, but you've seen their results come in at the time. They were third in the table. Like, teams were going to White Hart Lane, not White Hart Lane, to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, sorry. I'm just getting clapped up. Obviously, I know this game was at OT. So, you know, rah, like Spurs. Under Conte, maybe it's a bit different, but we we made them look very, very average. They didn't really get a sniff. You didn't even know Harry Kane was in the game. Son, non-existent. And we were just all, all over them, especially in the first half. And then obviously the second half, we got the goals to, short, to sort of assert our dominance. And uh, obviously Rashford could have been a bit more clinical. And I think I'm sure we'll, we'll speak on that. And I, 
Um, but fortunately, we, we didn't need him. We Obviously, Fred popped up with a deflected shot. And then, obviously, Bruno put on them score them goal-scoring boots again, man. We know when he came to the club, he was on he was on a crazy run. It sort of dipped a little bit. But maybe that argument that without Ronaldo and the team, he feels a bit more freer. Um, and he's, he's back, back to playing some of his best football for Man United. So, it definitely, what's the performance? You get a clean sheet as well. Uh, it felt very good, even though we, we, we're probably missing a top striker up top and probably a ball carrying midfielder. We didn't really have Eric since that game Fred played. It was pleasing. And it was one of those games where you take the points and you keep it moving. Yeah, um, Reams, we've done the post-match reaction, but just in terms of, I remember before on uh, the pod, the pod before, we said um, it was kind of dependent on Ericsson and Martial and they both didn't play but it was in terms of consensus that's the best we've seen United play since probably that run under LVG um, so what did you think we'd done well in terms of something that we hadn't done in that time span yeah I was, I was, I was spot off to be fair I thought unless we had Ericsson and Martial playing, we weren't going to win. But nah, we we did. This is the first game on the Ten Hag where you kind of really see the fruits of like what he's been trying to work on, on his philosophies and his ideas um, kind of coming together in like a match where everything goes right. If that makes sense? Yeah. So like, um, first of all, we stifled their midfield. They had a midfield free. Stifled their midfield. We put um, Bruno on Basuma. We had um, Fred on um, Bentancourt and Casemiro on Hoiberg. So we stifled their midfield. They didn't get no time on the ball. Uh, you know, that you know the, 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 the Tottenham style where Harry Kane likes to drop deep and it, and it triggers the runners in behind. Obviously, because they was only playing the front two, they didn't have that dual threat of having Son and Kulisewski running in behind. So every time Harry Kane dropped deep, Lisandro was just tight on him. Tight on him. And like, with with how Lisandro is because he's not kind of like a big stiff centre back he's like a kind of smaller more nimble centre back playing tight is kind of his game because he could get into those balls before Harry Kane has the chance to turn and he was getting in there winning winning the ball high up the pitch not giving Harry Kane a, a chance to turn and, and and play those passes he likes playing um I think our, our wide players retained the ball really well. I think Luke Shaw and Dallow, that's probably the best game that they've played like together. Like there was like that's the most they probably passed to each other in a game. And like they was coming in 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 inverting like they do. They was finding each other with like crossfield passes, switches. Um uh Doherty didn't really get much out of Shaw. You know, there's that like, one cross he had that almost knocked out Dallow. Other than that, he wasn't really getting much. Um I think Rashford was really good. I think he was really good, you know, like his, his pace, his movement, his intensity was good. Um, obviously, we speak on the finishing. It is what it is. Like he, he had four good chances. He could have scored two, definitely. Probably should have scored two is what it is. We didn't get punished in this game, but the, the he he's constantly getting quality chances each game. And if we could just continue, maybe even get a higher volume of those quality chances, the goals will come eventually. I'm not really too worried. But yeah, I feel like Casemiro again, his ability to, to to build up, Fred, his ability to press. As we said, we like, as we said, we stifled their midfield. Fred's pressing, Bruno's pressing on Basuma. 
Eric um Casemiro's ability to screen and defend space, like everything just really came together in this game. Yeah, I'm just gonna touch on a few individual performances. Um, you can really except for probably one, um, that one being Sancho, I think everyone else played quite well. But I feel like um you spoke about Dallow and Shaw, and I think um I saw somewhere that um they passed each other eight eight times. In that match was which was quite a lot um, apparently compared to the, the, the other times, and um, but I wanted to come on to Fred because um, yeah we all, we all saw that Newcastle game, um, but he seemed to rise it. Um, Michael, what yeah is the was that performance like? Did you expect that from Fred? Because we we, we know to expect that. Uh, the unexpected from Fred, but I mean, that was just something else, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the thing with Fred is that, and as you say, like, you just don't know what, what number you're getting. It could be a nine, it could be a two, and it's just that lack of consistency which is which is troublesome. You know, he's going to sort of gig, being try, try his hardest and sort of press and stuff, but in terms of his ability on the ball, his distribution, his passing forward, uh, he's tackling sometimes. You, you sometimes think, oh, is he is he going to really be up for it? But no, I think the stars aligned definitely uh, on that Wednesday night against Tottenham. He was playing balls forward. Uh, he was getting involved, as as Reeves was saying. He he done a very good just stifling Tottenham's midfield. They were sort of non-existent, all, all over them. So it was a very very comfortable game, and and Fred played a part in that. And to his testament, he got his goal, a deflective effort, but uh, he, he's there taking shots nonetheless. I think we done a good job of sort of getting close to the byline and sort of pulling it back for runners from midfield to take their sort of strikes. And obviously that's how Fred got his goal. And uh, well, it's similar with Bruno's goal, but obviously more of a sort of ricochet than he was allowed to sort of strike it. So yeah, I was impressed with Fred. Obviously you 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 prefer Ericsson in there and um, watching some of the Chelsea highlights earlier, you can see the triangles that him, Bruno and Casemiro make. So, Obviously, we know Ericsson's a better, better footballer, but uh, Fred, to his credit, is is a decent squad player to have uh, to deputise when Ericsson's not fit. Um, and I believe the other one I want to speak about was um, Bruno. Um, Reams, me and yourself have hated him for as long as we can remember. Um, but on Wednesday night, um, he played quite well. Um, what in particular impressed you about him? Yeah, I think that's the. I think, in my opinion, I don't know if there might be another one somewhere in the archives you can dig up where he played as well. But I think, in my memory, that's the best he's probably played. I think his his off the ball work in terms of his pressing, his counter pressing, the job he did on Basuma was really good. Like for the, I, I believe for the first goal, he was the one that won the ball back. I think Lisandro came one ahead of. Eric Dyer tried to put it back and he came and intercepted it from Basuma and kind of kick-started that move, got the ball to Sancho and whatnot. Yep. Um, on the ball, he was making smart decisions, knowing when to hold on to it, knowing when to try, find a pass, you know, like he was creating chances. Um, his, his off-the-ball movement was good as well. He was finding good spaces. Like, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of, like, some of the runs he makes, but, like, he 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 helps provide options for, like, Anthony on the ball, Sancho on the ball. Um, he took his goal really well. 
Like for 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 Bruno, like for your like attacking midfield player, that's the kind of performance you want. You want him to be sensible off the ball. He wasn't going rogue with his pressing and vacating all the spaces in behind him again. He was he did a good job on Basuma, um, made it difficult for him to get on the ball and dictate. Um, his his passing was better than usual. Like he was creating chances like he usually does, but he wasn't taking fifty six different passes to have to have to do that. Um, scored a really good goal, another good finish. Both of his goals this season have been top finishes. Um, there's still moments in time where, like, he might have shot when he didn't need it, need to, or like, I remember there might have been one 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 counter attack in the first half where he made like a bad pass or something like that. But like, the good outweighed the bad in that game. He was, he, I thought he was really top in that game. Um, yeah. So good performance, an unexpected one, um, which was. Kind of, I wouldn't say it soured it for me, but it seemed to for a lot of people. Um, so at the end, just before the game finishes, the cameras pan to Cristiano Ronaldo walking down the tunnel before. Um, and at the time, we just think that he he's just gone early because he's not being brought on. Turns out he refused to come on as a sub. Um, Ten Hag came out that evening and said he's going to deal with it tomorrow. Um, um, and since then, there's been a whole hoo-ha about it. Um, Michael, what, what the fuck, what the fuck? Is it true? It's, it's it's crazy, man. Like you know, when when it was it was announced that he was going to come back, uh, not not the summer, just gone the summer before. He was lauded, you know, the, the king's returning, the our best player, all of this, all of this, all this good full factor. I love Manchester United. This is the club. This is home for me. Yada, yada, yada. I'm going to take us back to the good times. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Ronaldo's coming. You know, he didn't go to City. He came to us. That's love. He loves us still. And then, you know, we're, we're not even 18 months beyond that. And he's petulantly walking out of out of, the, out of Old Trafford before, before the game's ended for a team that's had this best performance, probably since he's been arguably... Arguably since, well, definitely since Eric Ten Hag has been back, but uh, or joined the club, but arguably since Ronaldo's been back at the club, you know, in terms of a complete sort of performance where he's dominated the the opposition, and obviously he wasn't involved in that. And I'm I'm not an elite footballer. I'm not. I've definitely not got the sort of dog sort of mentality that he has to achieve what he's achieved in the game. But um, but, and I know you have to be selfish and you have to think you're the best and all that other type of stuff, but there must be some moments where you have to think about the team. And he's had a career where he can sort of think about himself and because he's doing he's doing so well, um, the team benefits anyway. Um, and he's had this ego, but I think he's got to the point of his career where his ego is now bigger than his talent. And I think that's where the problem sort of lies. And you can you can't get away with this sort of behaviour when... Um, you're not, I, you're not in the manager plan, or you can't produce at the same level you could. Um, not to the same extent, but obviously, Kylian Mbappe at PSG, he's he's not stormed out of the stadium as far as I'm aware. But obviously, in terms of his contract and sort of playing with the club, when you're producing what Mbappe produces, sometimes you can get away with it. It's not ideal, but you can get away with it. And I just don't think Ronaldo's at the level where he can be walking out of stadiums and leaving his team behind, and the manager's gonna sort of run with it. So I'm kind of glad that Eric Ten Hag took the stance he did he did take, even though that meant we were a bit light up top when we went to Chelsea, we had to bring on Alanga. 
um, where I'm sure he'll rather bring on Ronaldo. But I think that's a man that's taking control of the situation. And I've, I really, really like the way Ericton Harbour dealt with him. Um, but before I come on to that, I just want to um, talk about, you spoke about Ronaldo's petulance and um, just just to harken back to his first spell here where there was a whole array of instances where that showed in terms of after the 2006 World Cup, he comes out to say, um, the club has let me down. He's name-checked Bill and Ferguson, said he wants to move to Real Madrid or or Barcelona, doesn't care which one, he just wants to go to Spain. Um, then there's the interview he does after he wins a PFA, I believe, where he says he still dreams of Madrid. There's the instances where he, he fell injured against, I believe, Sunderland at home in his last season, where he was acting a fool the whole time. And he basically subs himself off before we're able to get a sub on. So we're playing with 10 men for five for five or 10 minutes. There was rumours, apparently, um, they were doing interviews about um, the... Busby air disaster and Ronaldo was acting like he couldn't be bothered to do it and stuff like that. Um, and there was a time where he he came off as a Man City through his um, coat to the bench as well. And there's the slave comment and all this stuff. So the way Ferguson dealt with that was very different. So Reams, in terms of how Ten Hag has dealt with it, have you been impressed with it? Um, yeah, I think I've been impressed with that. I think Ten Hag is like, it's a delicate situation because Ten Hag, this is a guy that's really right at the start of his United career and he's got to contend with not only a United legend, but a legend of football. So he's coming up against someone that's got a lot of cachet, that's got a lot of clout, that's got a lot of credit in the bank, in the media. And in, in England, we know the media is pretty much run by like ex-United legends and ex-Liverpool legends. So a lot of these guys would have played with Ronaldo, a lot of them are friends with him. So it's a lot to compete against in like in in like in terms of it being a distraction when he's really trying to build something with a new team. So I think the way how he's handled it in terms of not letting it affect what's happening on the pitch. I think like even after the Tottenham game, you can see like they asked Lisandro Martinez about it, and Lisandro was like, Well, we didn't see any of that. We was just happy with the result. We were celebrating, we was happy, like in the changing rooms, everyone was in the changing room was happy. And Ten Hag was like, Listen, I'm not going to let this distract from what's happened today. We'll deal with it tomorrow and we'll deal with it firmly. And he did deal with it the day after. He, he was very firm in his decision. The club backed him. And I think he was very justified in what he's done. So I think he's he, I think he's done his best to try and be fair, but also be respectful and also set a precedent and set a standard of behaviour that he's going to tolerate and he's not going to tolerate. And he's been very consistent with this because when Ronaldo did the thing against Real Vallecano, he said, he's come out and said the same thing. That ain't acceptable. We're not going to have that. And he's done it again today. And he's like, listen, you did it once. I gave you a warning. You've done it twice. There has to be consequences. So I think, I think what that will show is to people in the dressing room is that he's not here to play favourites. He ain't here to give anyone no special treatment. He's here to, to build a team and a squad and a harmony. And if anyone's going to disrupt that, he's going to be very firm in his conviction and, and how he deals with it. So, so, I, so I think he's been very good and he's been very brave as well because a lot of people will fold under the pressure of Ronaldo. We've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of coaches that will do that and he hasn't done it. So yeah, I respect that. Um, you spoke about the media in terms of the ex-pundits in the media. Um, 
and you probably all heard from certain guys um, about what they think about the situation, namely Ferdinand and Keane. Um, but out to both of you, um, what again? What the fuck? <laughs> Essentially, uh, what what the fuck are they saying? What do they mean by? Are they? Do they? Are they thinking of the way Ferguson treat treat Ronaldo? But are 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 they not realizing the reason why they they treat he treated him like that is because he was actually good then. Exactly. That was your best player. Ferdinand, um, Ferguson used to give Ronaldo a little bit of leeway, maybe a little bit more days of training, put a little arm around him. That's what you needed to get the best out of the player who's the best player in the world. Ronaldo isn't the best player in the world. Ten Hag isn't going to give him no preferential treatment over guys that's actually out there affecting games and helping us win. You know what I mean? He's not going to give him preferential treatment over Rashford or uh, Anthony or uh, Bruno or anyone like that. Guys that actually are contributing to, to the good things that's happening. He's trying to manage his ego and let him down lightly at a stage in his career where Ronaldo's not really that good anymore and he's struggling to accept it. So he's trying to be diplomatic in, in his approach and still respect Ronaldo for the legend that he is and the career he's had, but also in terms of what's good for the team right now. So these guys still think in their mind that Ronaldo's the 21-year-old kid or the 19-year-old kid that they saw and blew them away for sporting in that friendly or won all them titles or scored a million goals for Real Madrid. He's not that anymore. And I think ex-players, it's weird to me because I feel like Keane and, and, and Ferdinand were both ex-players. They were both two of the best players of their generation. And they both know what it's like when you're a little bit old and a little bit over the hill. They both know what it's like to be washed. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Neville, that QPR boy. <laughs> Gary Neville knows better than that. That West Brom performance, like, literally is a bottom one performance in the history of the Premier League. Like, they know what it's like to have been great and then to have been not great anymore. So, they should be able to understand that, that a manager can't carry a liability like that when your responsibility is to build a team and win games. So, I think that, that actually that... Even that is being more like with fans. Fans are fans aren't supposed to be rational. Fans are supposed to be fans, stands, emotional. You know what I mean? Like mm. but players that have actually played the game and they're supposed and are supposed to like provide insight into the mind of a professional should should understand what it's like when a great player is not great anymore and a manager has to move away from them in terms of not being able to rely on them anymore. Ronaldo hasn't been able to accept that. And all these guys in the media, like coddling him and making excuses for him, isn't going to help. Like, he does, like, does he know? He, he, does he know? Like, he needs to know. It's sad he doesn't know. Um, About that, um, especially, you spoke about Keane being over the hill, especially the way Keane left United as well. It was because of actions similar to what Ronaldo has been accused of as well in terms of, that interview with MUTV where he basically yeah. drew out the whole squad except for Rooney and Ronaldo. Um, so, so it was interesting to see him say that um, he he's basically said he he, he should be punished, but um, he's doing it because he feels like he's been disrespected, and there's some for Keen though some type of justification justification for it. Michael, um, Ferdinand mm. said that, um, has also said in that instance that he feels like Ronaldo's been disrespected as well and that United should let him go. Um, do you think, and Neville actually echoed those sentiments and he actually said that Ronaldo just isn't 
what he is anymore and he's not the best player and he is essentially a squad player now. So do you think that's the solution? Because Neville said essentially by the end of the week, it should be sorted out in terms of if he's staying um, until January or if he just goes now. Yeah, yeah, I listened to the Gary Neville podcast and I heard him say that. And it's interesting, I think it was before the Tottenham game, Eric Ten Hag in his pre-match interview was saying how, obviously because Rashford wasn't 100% fit, that's why he started Ronaldo uh, against Newcastle. But now Rashford was a bit better, so then that's when he made the switch up top. So clearly that gives an insight into Eric Ten Hag's mind that he clearly sees uh, Rashford and Martial ahead of Ronaldo. And he sees Ronaldo as a sort of squad player now. And I don't... Obviously, when Ronaldo signed, it was under Solskjaer, not under Eric Ten Hag. And I... Obviously, we're not privy to what discussions they had over the summer. But clearly, over the summer, Ronaldo was looking for a new club. He didn't go on a pre-season tour. His mind was elsewhere. It wasn't on sort of Man United. So why these experts are coming out saying, oh... Man United with disrespect to Ronaldo. Well, in actual fact, it's probably the other way around. If you're out in Europe, sort of shaking your ass, saying "Come sign me," then you know you're <laughs> you're disrespecting the club. You're sending Georgie Mendes all over Europe trying to get a new club and that. So uh, I don't I don't really buy that assertion from them. But I do think that if he doesn't know Ronaldo that he's a squad player, he, he needs to know. Probably appreciates it now with everything that's gone on and. There needs to be that discussion because if in his mind and body, I'm sure he does because he backs himself 100% that he feels he should be playing every game despite his age, then he, if he knows that's not going to happen to Man United, then maybe the best thing is to sort of them shake hands, him go to the World Cup, leave, after, leave in January. It's beneficial for him because he gets he'll go somewhere where he can probably start and be the main man, which clearly is what he's used to. And I don't think he can comprehend not being the main man. And Man United get uh, some uh, sort of difficult sort of person out of the draft room, and they also get half a million off the wage bill. So I think that um, I think that will probably be the optimum outcome. It's a sad way for it to end um, because, especially, he came to such fanfare. But I think uh, with the way things are going, it's not going to be an easy situation managing someone who is expecting to sort of start and they're not at the level to start anymore. So, yeah, I've been letting go. And if that speeds up the the haste that Man United signed another striker, then even better. Um, just to wrap the Ronaldo thing up, Dev, Ornstein on the athletic today said that um, with Ronaldo, Ten Hag is going to see how Ronaldo reacts and if he's happy to be a squad player or if he still has the same attitude. And depending on whatever way it goes, that's um, the course of action they will take. Um, they're saying that it could potentially be a mutual termination, but but United don't want to pay anything to Ronaldo because, you know, that's that'll be like I don't know ten million or five. No, it, it'll, it'll be like thirteen million for to pay up the rest of his wages for the next half a season, and um, they're not going to terminate it because it's going to cost that much anyway. So they'll have to come to a mutual agreement on that, um, and they are more inclined to not go. To them, go for free now. If it if he was to go in January, um, but there was no offers in the summer apart from the Saudi Ara- uh, Arabia club. And he was it's looking most... for a fee in the summer, though, was he not? Yeah, the, the, um, 
they were, but it never got to a point where that was even discussed. So it was pretty much irrelevant because Ronaldo just turned turned them down flat, and no other European clubs came came in for him because, outside of the fact of how tactically um, how tactically heavy he is for a manager to incorporate into a team, his wages are just too high, and the clubs that can afford it do not want him at all. So um, yeah. It was, looks like this will rumble one in the background, but he's had enough. He, he's had enough um, attention. Do we think he'll be in the squad for the Sheriff game? I believe so. Okay. I believe so, which is sad because yeah. I, I, I would... Essentially, I would not want to see him until he leaves because I think refusing to come on is... like that. I, I think that's the craziest thing to do. That's 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 the dilemma in terms of what Eric Ten Hag's dealing with. What I spoke about, like obviously he's given Ronaldo his punishment to let him know that's not acceptable, but he has to integrate him back into the squad because if he doesn't, this is going to be a story until after the World Cup. Like it's never going to stop not being a story. Like so, Ronaldo being a part of the squad is is even like beneficial just for the peace of mind it will give you from the media. But with that being said, if he's a bench player, it's still going to be a story anyway. So. It's kind of yeah. like it's impossible to win. Yeah, I yeah, I, I I really do think that at this point, as soon as possible, he needs to go. And um, also they're saying that even if he does go, we're not going to be able to get a replacement because we just have no money left. So thank you to Murtor for overspending on the players we signed in the summer. What even um, in January we can't get no one in. Yeah, they said that it it would have to be like a stopgap, which I'm thinking like oh. an Igalo type, and yeah, like a who? No, like an Igalo type. Odion, Odion. Yeah, forget about that. Just play Charlie <laughs> McNeil, man. Just play Charlie McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that that was all rumbling on. But we actually had a football game to play on the weekend, and it was away to Chelsea. Um, it's now it's most drawn fixture in the Premier League and it happened again um, not without its drama at the end um, Reams what did you think of coming into the game and, and the first half I felt I felt good coming into the game you know, I know we don't have the greatest record at Stamford Bridge but I feel like right now we're just playing better football than Chelsea we're a bit more fluid than them they're still trying to get used to like a new coach even though we have a new coach as well they have an even newer coach than we do and he's a very He's a very he he's he's a guy that demands a lot from his players and it takes a little while and he's a bit of a tinkerman as well like he'll play different formations in games and from a ma- from a match to match on a match to match basis so it, t- it takes a lot for his players really to get used to it so I felt like we were just a little bit ahead of them in in terms of our process this season and I felt like coming off the coming off the back of a few good performances against Everton Newcastle um, even though we weren't scoring I felt I felt like Chelsea didn't really have much for us because he's defending well and their attack right this season's probably been worse than ours. So, and I feel like that's kind of like how the game played out. Like I feel like for the first half an hour we dominated them, we played the better football, we cut through them at will. You know they got a really good coach. He, he spotted something in the game and made an in-game adjustment that kind of evened out the evened out the course of the game. He put um an extra man in midfield because they they realized that. We was kind of stifling that midfield area again and just playing through them easily. So they put an extra guy in midfield to kind of like be an extra receiver in midfield and that kind of like threw us off our, our rhythm a little bit. But 
as I said, they even even when we kind of lost control of the game in the second half, Chelsea didn't really create anything. I don't other than the Trevor Chalaba header that hit the post from a corner. I don't really think they had any other chances. Um, we had two good chances, especially in the first half, Rashford and Anthony. I think the Rashford one is a little bit more difficult because Kepa came out really quickly, closed the space. You know, like Rashford tried to lift it over him, but by then Kepa's already made come out and made himself big. He had another really good one where he's kind of driven at Thiago Silva's created a little angle, hit a fair shot, another good save from Kepa. Um, Anthony threw one-on-one on his weaker foot. He hit it really well, but didn't really get any bend on it, any accuracy on it. So I think like if we would have gone in, in at halftime in the lead, everyone would have said it was, a, it was a fully deserved lead. The goal we conceded, obviously, individual error. Like, we could speak about that for 10 years now, you know what I mean? Like, I think the last... Since Man City, the last two goals we've conceded have been Awobi and, and, and that penalty in it, and both of them came from individual errors. So I think, really, we've been defending really well. We've been keeping teams at bay. They haven't really been able to create any clear-cut chances. It's, it's a shame that, obviously, we've given away that poor goal from, from a little mistake from Tomine. But I think if this was last season, we would have gone on and lost that game. But we pressed on, we pressed on. Ten Hag got some good instructions out to the team. And obviously, you know, big players make big plays. And that's what Casemiro did, you know, serial winner throughout his career. And obviously, he's brought some of that winning mentality to us now, even though we didn't win, like... We did. We didn't fold, and we went out and and, and managed to, to salvage a result in a game that we probably deserve to win. But a draw, I wouldn't say, is a is a terrible result. Even though the next morning I, f- I woke up kind of feeling sick, <laughs> thinking that's a, that's a, that's another that's another two points that we dropped like against Newcastle. But yeah, um, overall, I'd say I'm pleased with where we are. I'm pleased with what we're building, and I think that performance kind of showed that right now. I think we're a more dangerous team than Chelsea are. Um, so Michael, we spoke about that first half um, where we were controlling the game. Casemiro was getting into a lot of space, um, and Potter react react to it by changing to a diamond. Um, and after that, the game was pretty even. Do you think that Ten Hag could have done more to swing the game back into our favor? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think it's he was playing probably he's definitely playing our sort of best eleven, and um, the players that were in reserve obviously Alanga came on. Is I'm not Alanga so sure about that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Jim on the left wing isn't our best eleven anymore. <laughs> well, also, that, that's that is he's he's fall, he's fall off has been a disgrace, man. Like, what the hell has gone on with Jaden Sancho, man? Like, obviously, give him time when he can't be settled into a new club and all that other jazz, even though. He, he he's footballing academy was in England and stuff, but he's come back from Germany. Yada yada yada. Thing, yeah, Jaden's bad performances are usually just anonymous. Like he plays, you don't even know he's on the pitch. But that game, mm. he was actually bad. Like bad in terms of he didn't do anything right. Yeah, it's but just, it's scary. Seventy-five million, man. But I'm not sure if that's an improvement on 
him being anonymous. <laughs> like, I'm not sure which one I would rather take from him, because so, because well, because for for someone like Rashford, him being anonymous is really really bad. Yeah. For someone like Sancho, I think I, I would take him actively doing bad things. At least he's trying. To, that, that means he's trying to do something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, he's putting himself out there because he just plays like obviously play he tends to play at this one pace, like you never really see him trying to beat a man on the outside or anything like that. It's all sort of tiki taka in front of you and stuff like that. And when he's on forward, it's just like what what is it? You know, like what are we seeing? And it's just disappointing, man. So I, I definitely think obviously we can't now because we're waiting on Martial, but you'd rather see Rashford out there and Martial at top, but uh, until I don't, I don't think he trusts Alanga to replace him. So I think we're gonna be. I, I think, I think, I, th- I think he probably should. And I'm saying that as someone that doesn't think Alanga is good at all. But Alanga, at least, Alanga, at the very least, has a skill set that's useful. Even if he doesn't have quality, his skill set is still useful because teams will be scared of his pace. Teams will be scared of him running in behind. He can carry the ball quickly, win free kicks. Even if like you know he's gonna get into the final third and mess it up, like. It's something like instead of the nothingness that we usually get, or when when, when true. Sancho it's, plays, it's true. It's true. And the thing, Alang will be posting all these videos on his Instagram of him doing these drills. He'll be he'll be doing stepovers, gliding. I'm thinking, wow, you, can't, you, 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 you can't gym your way into talent, man. You either got it or you don't. Like you, you don't you don't have talent, but he has athleticism, and athleticism can get you a long way in football. So we might as well use that. Yeah, <laughs> nice. You know what? I feel like I say I say this about most players in our squad, but if we if you combined Elanga and Sancho, you, you would have a real player there. You really, oh, you would have, you have player you'd have there. a super player. Ah. You'd have a superstar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust. Have a real trust. player there. But Sancho's um, decision making. But yeah, no, San, yeah, Sancho. Yeah, obviously Sancho's fallen off, man. But um, but I don't really. Obviously, he made four changes in the game. Obviously, bringing on Fred for Sancho for the uh, 52 minutes. And obviously, Varane got injured. So that, that necessitated uh, Lindelof to come in. And then l- later on in the game, put McTominay in the Langa. Obviously, McTominay on the pitch for five minutes and gives away a pen. And very, very late defending. And um, so I, I don't, in terms of an attacking sense, I don't think he could have done anything really differently in in a, an attacking sense. I just felt... I, 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 I personally feel like he should have taken off Ericsson. Because Ericsson didn't have it. He didn't have it. In that game, he should have taken off Ericsson, put Bruno back into the attacking midfield, and put Alanga on the left wing. Kept Rashford on. I think his I don't think his subs were great, and I think other than Alanga, I don't think none of his subs really made like a because Fred came on and was scary again. Like maybe he's better just like playing from the start. Ericsson just didn't have it. Um, yeah, Rashford, Rashford, a few triangles, man. Well, particularly in the first half, he had, he had a few triangles going with um. With uh, Casemiro and when, Bruno. as soon as soon as soon as Potter brought that extra midfielder in, like Ericsson's influence in the game kind of waned. Like I think he can, I think he kind of struggles to play in more high intensity games. Like I think the games where he's really useful is against teams that are really going to sit back deep and like, like we, have to, we, we have to build against a low block. Like he'll be, but like in high intensity games, Fred is probably a bit more useful because he could play at that intensity. He could press, counter press, win the ball back. He's a bit That's more mobile annoying. with his runs in behind into the filling in the gaps in space and stuff like that. So I think it's I think it's a, a, a right about finding the right profiles for the right games. Um mm. but yeah. 
the options on the, the options on the bench weren't weren't great. So I think he tried to do what he could with the options he had on the bench, which, which weren't great, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. As I said, the attacking options just Alanga. So you know, if, if Rashford is having one of those days, which is having more regularly, where he's not got shooting boots on and whatnot, literally, we're relying on uh, Alanga to come on and try to do something. So it was no surprise that it was our defensive midfielder who goes and gets the equaliser. And um, what a goal it was, because obviously the penalty, 80, what, 86 minutes, went in 87, quite yeah. late in the game. So you kind of kind of resigned to sort of losing the game. But yeah, as you say, great spirit. And obviously you saw the passion uh, of Casemiro's celebration and, you know, Martinez saying he doesn't know who the guy is, but we're fighting together with this support. <laughs> I, I, I said it in the group chat, yeah. As soon as I seen Elanga and um, uh, McTominay coming on, I was like, yeah, we're not winning this game. I was like, I was like <laughs> that, that, that was a chance to win the game out the window. I, I thought we were going to grab an L. And as soon as we conceded that penalty, I was like, there it is. So the fact that we've mm. come back and managed to steal a point, I'm like, all right, fair enough. Like, that's yeah. big time. But I think our chance to win the game was in the first half and we didn't capitalise on it. Yeah, yeah. Now, actually, Anthony, it's funny because we I think we were saying on the pod last week, Anthony hasn't got a right foot. Well, he tried to use it. Maybe he listened in. He tried to use it, but... He got a bit of power behind it. He just, like... Yeah. He didn't get no really... No, that, yeah, no direction. Should have been a goal, man. So, but... is it, so is it that he, he, he doesn't have a right foot or he's just scared to use it? I believe that, you know, like, in a game where you have to do a certain amount of moves to charge up your... to, to, to do that special move, yeah. I feel like he has to do that with, with, with like his right foot. Like we're only gonna see him use the right foot like once every five games. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's like Antonio Valencia on his left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we are not seeing that often. So, but he did try, and to be fair, he should be scoring that. But for him, that was a decent effort. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about two players in in the kind of opposite way. Um. Didn't speak about him in the Spurs game where it was fantastic as well. But this game in particular, man of the match, Casemiro. Um, I can't even lie to you. It, it's, been, it's been such a long time since I've just seen a defensive midfielder play for my team. I've I just... Just even thinking about it gets me emotional. But, like, what did you think about his p- p- performance? Uh, this out to anyone. Ah, man, I'm just excited. I can't lie. <laughs> We used to pray for times like this to grind like this. So I, <laughs> like they fought five-time Champions League winner, Real Madrid legend, Brazil starting defensive midfielder, Casemiro, would not be good in the Premier League. Like, let's be for fucking real. Like, <laughs> there were, this guy's a legend of the game. And, and do you know what? Do you know what? Yeah, like, I've been thinking about this recently in the last, like, week or so, yeah. Like, this this idea of, like, great players in great teams. Like, there's lots of great players that have played in great teams and, like, how gre- how good they are can, like, really go under the radar just because of how many good players they're surrounded by. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, you think of, like, a current Sador for a Paul Scholes. Like, these guys that their whole career, they were amazing players, but they was always surrounded by more high-profile amazing players. Like, and then you think of someone like maybe, like, a Steven Gerrard who was most of his career surrounded by scrubs. So people always seen how good he was in comparison to what he was playing with. And I think Casemiro kind of falls into that category as well because at Real Madrid, like, he didn't really have that much responsibility on the ball because his midfield partners were Tony Cruz and Luka Modric. Like, he didn't need to. Like, you get what I mean? So, 
he's come to the Prem now and everyone's thinking like, oh, like this guy can't do anything on the ball. Like he isn't a classy player. He's just, he just run, he's just a guy that runs around and tackles people and gets away with it. Like, you know what I mean? And he's really showed like what an actual great player he is. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a defensive midfielder that's as much of a goal threat as he is. Like, <laughs> have, yeah. you ever seen, have you guys ever seen Ooh. that? Like, yeah. he's right. legitimately a great player. Like, and he's really like, transformed the way we could play on and off the ball so i um he introduced me to a vibe he's introduced me to a vibe <laughs> i i i i, I, I know the best thing is i know he can maintain it as well i know he's I maintaining know he it <laughs> he he has made it i love it <laughs> but hey, um do you know what i was looking through my past tweets about casemiro and i was seeing and there were three tweets that stuck out to me someone said that um this was me replying to it that um, Casemiro is just a heightened version of Ndidi, who's better on the ball, Casemiro or Rice. And it's a disgrace to say that Casemiro and Fabinho are comparable on the ball, meaning Fabinho is much better. You said kinda, that. I'm not going to go into names, but if they're listening, <laughs> they know who they are. <laughs> that is hilarious. But um, I'm like it, it speaks to your point about his his ability on the ball, which he, which even I knew he was good on the ball, but I didn't know he was this good in terms of the first time passes, the constant, the constant want to progress the ball, and just even his ability to get out of of danger and just like have the little one twos to get past an opponent. So, like, Michael, do you feel the same in terms of his ability on the ball? And do you think, are you happy now that the De Jong signing fell through? Or is there a case of we need the both of them? Oh, look, man, in the idle world, we need the both of them. We wanted, we needed a sort of midfielder like him to come on, uh, sort of, not just, because we had Fred who was, like, the destroyer and stuff, but this guy can sort of, He's not like a pinball like Fred. He's a bit more, he uses, he's a bit more switched on. He's got better decision-making. He's sort of crispier in the tackle as well. And it, I just remember that goal he set up, he assisted for Ronaldo away to Everton, man. Like, he tried to play a pass. It was a stinker of a pass. He gets the ball back after tackling Awobi. First time ball to Ronaldo, assist goal. And it's just like, to see a midfield player sort of win the ball in the middle and just straight away, they're thinking forward. They're not, just passing it to the better player next to them. It's like, no, they've got it in their locker that they can sort of play the ball forward themselves. And it just transforms our midfield now. Because before, under Solskjaer, we used to play a 4-2-3-1. But now you always see that, particularly Fred, he will push up to the same level as Bruno, particularly against Tottenham. So they'll base a 4-3-3 with Casemiro sitting deep and Bruno and Fred in, in a tandem sort of moving forward. And you saw it, I saw it in the sort of first half against Chelsea. It was almost like, Casemiro was playing the six, and then uh, Ericsson was playing the eight, and then Bruno playing the ten. So he's doing the role of two players. He's basically doing the Fernandinho role that uh, Fernandinho made his own at City, where he's, he's basically performing the role of two people, and it's absolutely fantastic. And obviously, we only went for him, and the impetus came for him when we realised that Frankie Dion wasn't going to happen. And I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to get him in because I think he was more pressing of an issue. Than, um, than getting Frankie in. But I still think we need a sort of a ball retaining, a ball carrying midfielder, obviously, which Frankie Dion is. Funnily enough, obviously, we let one go in the summer. Um, but I think that's what we're really sort of missing from our midfield to sort of 
make it a bit more complete. Now, you lot, hear me out when I when I say what I'm about to say. Yeah, let me learn. There's a lot of similarities, right? And and the biggest criticism of Casemiro early in the season, like in his first few games, that he gives the ball away a lot, or he was giving the ball away. Um, and that's fine. Like what I'm about to say is, there's a lot of similarities between Casemiro and Bruno, right? And what I mean by that is, they Casemiro and Bruno have a very progressive mindset when it comes to football. So when, when they get the ball, they're, they're thinking, how can I get this ball forward as quick as possible? Now, with Cassie, what he, what he likes to do is pass it first time. And the issue, with, the issue with that he comes into sometimes is that he's, a, he's got good vision and he's a good passer, but he's not the most consistent technically. And passing it first time is like some of the hard, is like one of the hardest passing techniques you can do, especially when you're trying to find someone between the lines and quickly. So you bring up the, 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 the Ronaldo assist. This is where Casemiro and Bruno is different. Cassie, every pass Cassie tries to make, it makes sense. You can see exactly what he was trying to do. And if it would have worked, you'd have been like, okay, yeah, that would, that would have been a great pass. It's like when someone doesn't pull, someone, pull something off and you go, oh, good idea. The difference between Bruno is he tries to make passes that, you can't, you can't even make in FIFA. Like, he's tra- he, tra- he tries to pull off passes that are literally impossible. Like, when he, when he makes the attempt to the pass and it doesn't work, you're thinking, how the fuck did you even think such a pass was, was even possible? That's, 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 that's the irritating thing about Bruno. With Cassie, obviously because he's playing as a deeper midfielder, when he gives it away, he usually gives it away in a position that's more dangerous to us because teams are closer to our goal when they, when they, when they recover the ball from his giveaways. Bruno usually gives it away high up the pitch, so... We're not in immediate danger when he gives it away, but is is assist against Everton? Yeah, if you look at it, the ball. I think it was Luke Shaw that had the ball. He's and he's about to play it to, to Cassie. Bruno's dropped deep, and he's kind of spun off. And um, I think it was Idris Gay as as, as move forward to press Casemiro because he sees he's about to get the ball. So Bruno's kind of dropped into that space. So the ball's coming to Cassie now and he's tried to turn it around the corner with the outside of his boot to put it yeah. into the space that Idris has just vacated. So, and if he did that, Bruno would have been able to turn and run straight onto Evans back four. So what he tried to do would have been a great pass if he pulled it off, but he didn't. He's like, he's miscued it and missed the ball. And then obviously he's won it back and then ended up playing a great pass anyway. So what I'm trying to say with Casemiro is everything he does is progressive and it makes sense but obviously he's not he's not like Tony Cruz technically where he's going to be consistent with everything he does but you know whenever he gets on the ball he's trying to do something that's going to be a positive contribution to the team so even when he was giving the ball away I was like I'm all right like I'm all right like I know exactly what he's trying to do I know what type of player he is and I know like when he gets into his rhythm and everything runs smooth he's going to transform the way this team plays and I feel like that's exactly what's happened. Would you like? Would you like, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I agree hundred percent. And the thing is, there was even a time versus Chelsea where he tries to play it first time when, because it was a transition, it made sense because if he gets that pass right, we're through. But mm. it didn't, so it mean, so it meant that Chelsea were able to transition back, but we were able to contain it somewhat. But he does he he actually does have that ability to put us in precarious situations. But at the end of the day, he will probably try and fix himself and, and he probably will. And he will at least help to cover if he makes a mistake. So, and, just, and just to go back to the question you asked, I think we definitely do need him both and Frankie because 
that Casemiro's main issue on the ball is he can be susceptible to be impressed because he's not the most fluid turner on the ball. Like yeah. he's quite big, he's quite heavy. He doesn't turn the quickest. He's got a good touch and he can turn out of trouble, but like he he he, he, he turns in slow motion basically. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Whereas yeah. Frankie is like very fluid turner. He can play off any angle. Very press resistant. Quick feet. Body feints. Carries the ball. So Frankie's biggest strength is. Casemiro's biggest weakness and Casemiro's biggest strength on the ball, which is like his, his range of passing short, is kind of like w- not one of Frankie's biggest strengths. Like he's not an amazing passer, but he's a great, he's an amazing ball progressor when in terms of his, his, his athleticism and his ability to, to dribble. So they complement each other really well. So if you get that midfield together, like you really have something. Yeah. Um, but we have to go on to Varane. Um, he pulled up at about 60 minutes and he got a hamstring injury which will likely mean he won't play for us before the World Cup um, and he will likely miss the first game of the World Cup. Um, Varane has played 684 minutes this season. Um, He's only not played one game and that was Brighton when he was on the bench. Um, And in that time, we have conceded five goals. Um, In all the other minutes we have had, um, we have conceded 11 goals. Um, how For the next six or so games, Europa League and Europa League, League Cup and uh, Premier League, how much of a miss is Varane going to be? Oh, huge, man. Like, him and Martinez are clearly forming uh, uh, a partnership. Uh, it's, it's good to see some sort of solidity to our sort of uh, defensive line. They've got an understanding. Um, and I think it just works really well. Um, and the fact that he's going to be out, obviously, oh, it seems at the moment our third choice, particularly with Harry Maguire being injured, it'll be interesting to see how he sort of, um, how he sort of plans or high, how he does his hierarchy when Harry Maguire is fit. But it was going to be Lindelof sort of deputising. And I, I just... Don't have the same level of confidence in Lindelof. Obviously, he's been at the club for six uh, six years now. Um, he's done okay at times, but I, I I just don't have the same confidence when uh, compared to Varane. And obviously, luckily, Lissandro is there, and Lissandro has almost become like our first choice centre back. Um, so at least we haven't lost our first choice centre back. But it's it's not a good sign, and hopefully, the injury is not. Um, yeah, hopefully we can just get to the World Cup. Isn't it World Cup like three weeks away, three, four weeks away? Yep, starts on the 20th of November. How many games have we got between now and then? You've got six games, I believe. Four in, four in the league, two Europa, yeah? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so we played 11. I believe we're going to get up to 14 because we got those two games postponed. And we've got one in the League Cup and then two in Europa. I think I think we I think after the game we've just played, we kind of have a bit of a more favourable running. Like I think a, a lot of the next teams we play are kind of like bottom half of the Premier League teams. So um, yeah. it's good that we had him for all the tough games for like all the, other than City where he got injured. We've had him for Newcastle, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. We've had him for all the games that were like our toughest games in the, in, in in this in this first period. So I think. Over the next few games, hopefully, against teams that we should be able to like stifle, like we've been doing, 
and and keep possession of the ball. We won't have to be so vulnerable defensively, if that makes sense. But I get, I guess, a lot of a lot of the things that bail us out defensively, especially in like transition and stuff like that, is Varane. So <laughs> at the same time, we don't know how it's gonna go. But hopefully, like with how we play now and how we control games and how we keep the ball away from teams, maybe that will help us defensively as well. Yeah. Um. And you spoke about the tough run that we've had. Um. If if you look at it, the past week, we've got five points, two home games, and one away at Stamford Bridge. Um, Newcastle are fourth, Chelsea are third, and Spurs are fifth, I believe. Spurs are third, Newcastle fourth, Chelsea are fifth. Ah, yeah, that's it. Sorry, I had, yeah. to, I had Tottenham and Chelsea the wrong, wrong, wrong way around. Um, so considering the positions that they're in, and it was actually a tough run of games, five points out of nine, it, is that is that good? It should have been seven, though. <laughs> Yeah, it really bothers me. Like, on paper, it sounds like it's a good result, but, like, we should have won against Newcastle. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's not something that's going to... It's not something that's... It's not a disaster, you know what I mean? Like, it's still... we still done well, and we and I think we played better than all three of those teams. So, performance... If you think performance-wise, it's really good, and it's really encouraging, because it's kind of like showed me that maybe our ceiling this season's a little bit higher than I thought it was. So yeah. I'm just being I'm I'm, I'm just a bit I'm just annoyed at that Rashford header man. It's that's <laughs> yeah that's got me that's got me so fuming. But yeah no like I think we've shown that that we're we're up there in terms of like those top four teams in the league for sure. Yeah so um I mean West West Ham are we're winning right now so they're in the top ten but in the top 12, the only teams we haven't played this season are Fulham and West Ham. Um, so the next few games are up until January. Where, wow, where we what the hell? We've played Everton, Brentford, Brighton, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle, Tottenham, Man City and Arsenal. Jesus Christ, in, in our first 11 games. Yep. Yeah, we've had a really tough Jesus early start. Christ, bro. Yep. And the other two were Southampton and Leicester. Yeah. Um, and so up until January, where we face Arsenal and Man City back to back, um, we should we have a favorable right run of game. I believe it's like eight or nine games. So, um, hopefully, we're able to get through that run. And it's not like that fucking cursed Ranek picture that we that they made when he got uh, appointed last season. Oh, we, for Ralph, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just dropping a lot of points. Um, looking on to we're playing Sheriff away in the in the Europa League. Um, well, at it's... home, I thought it was at home, Cut. Oh, at home, I, 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 I keep but because they've changed it where you now face the team you face second on the fifth day. I always it's I always think we're, mm. we're, we're at home. well, we're, we're away because we face such a dad at home, but um, we're facing Sheriff at home. Um, do you think he's gonna rotate? Um, I doubt it. If we're just going on on what we've seen so far this season, I doubt it. Like, I think he, I think he really wants to win out the rest of these games, and, and we need to to avoid finishing second. I think he's gonna start a strong team. I, is there any news on Marshall? Do you reckon he will be back for this game? Um, he no, I don't think we'll he's be back right. in training. But yeah, yeah. He's so he trained, but he just wasn't a, able to. He wasn't fit, fit enough for the bench. I, I I could really I think we could really use a big win in this game, like four or five goals. Yeah. Like 
I don't know. We, I don't think we've had a. We 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 haven't had one of those kind of wins this season yet, have we? Like it's always been by like one or two goals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think I think I think we we could like just a feel good result, just a good like four nil, five nil hammering or something like that. That would be nice. But I think yeah, we're gonna see a strong team. Dallo, Lindelof, Martinez. I think Malassio will play. I think Malassio will come in. Um, other than that, maybe we might see Sancho drop the Langer come in. But other than that, I think it's gonna be the usual suspects. Cool. Um, and then on the weekend we have West Ham at home as well. Um. What are you thinking for this game? Where West Ham have been a bit patchy um, this season. They had a really bad start, but they've come into some good form recently. Um, two losses in their last one, two, three, in their last nine. Um, okay, they've uh, been doing well. In the, they've been doing well in Europe as well, no? Yeah, they've been doing well in Europe. That's where most of their, their wins have come. To be fair, um, they've only had um, two wins in the Premier League in that run versus Wolves and Fulham draw against Southampton and then to a loss to the Merseyside guys. Um, so, yeah, um, they've been patchy. They, they played pretty well against Liverpool. So what are you thinking for this game? I'm feeling, I'm feeling a win. I'm feeling a win. I'm thinking, a, yeah, winning a clean sheet. I think, I think we're going to build up a night. I feel like we need to build on our performances now and just get a good run of wins together. Like the four wins that we had earlier before the Man City game. I think four wins before we break away for the World Cup's going to set us up really nice for like, when do we come back? Like just at the end of December, right? Uh, for Boxing Day. Boxing Day, cool, yeah. I feel like a good run of wins going into the World Cup's going to leave us in a really good position to to attack that top four spot at, um in the new year. So yeah, I feel like with the perfor- the performances are there now. It's just the, 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 the results were there, but the performances weren't. Now the performances are there. I think everything's just going to come together now. Yeah, so um, yeah, I echo that man. Score a score, a clean sheet, a win, clean sheet could be another two 0 Yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, l- looking at it, five points out of nine out of those three games is both annoyed and good because I'm happy that I'm annoyed again that we didn't do better. Yeah, that means we're playing well. Like yeah. <laughs> When we used to be good, like drawing a game felt like a loss. Like for a while, drawing a game just felt like eh, whatever. Like now, I when mean, we're not, eh. if this happened under social when we were playing Harambo, I'll I'll just be like, hey man, we done well there. I can't even lie. So I would just be like, yeah, fair enough. But I'm happy that we are disappointed that the the, the results are, are reflecting the quality of our performances. So hopefully, we can build on that. Um, and yeah, let's get let's get into some listeners' questions. Um just to round things up. Um this is a funny one. Um Manny underscore OA said Ilanga versus Dan James versus Sancho. I guess that's <laughs> right. Look how far Sancho done fell, bled. Oh my god, bro. Yes, we this conversation. Look at the bums <laughs> that we have to compare him to now. And he doesn't come out favourable either. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, my he, days. He doesn't. Uh... Do you know what? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably still... Do you know what? Yeah. Uh, I think we got... I don't know if it was with Michael. Was it last week we got something, we got asked something like quite similar to this? Yeah. And yeah, I, we did. We did. And I yeah, think about we, Dan James and... Who's had a better career. And I think we, we, we kind of agree that Dan James probably had the better first season. Yeah. The better debut season. But I think like... 
Sancho Sancho's good moments are way better than any good moments that Dan James could ever produce. So obviously they're not comparable as players, but yeah, Sancho just ain't really showing much right now. Um, this is what in terms of what um I was thinking because I heard it on the main pod in terms of the getting the best out of San- Sancho, in terms of not just in terms of a team, just him individually. What can he do to like make himself play better? Like, what does he need to do? Like, this is basically maximizing his skill set. So that's not saying uh like he just needs to start going past players, just maximizing his skill set to be be productive for us. Let me be honest. The main thing Sancho right now can add to his game is some dog. That's the main thing his game is. Forget about the dribbling or the pace. Or If he added some dog to his game, he'd still be a useful player. He just has none. So he's not useful. Yeah, because he backed out of a 1v1 on again, like in like the 50th minute on the, on the Saturday. And I said, just even, even, if he, even if he went into that 1v1 and won the ball, and he, we would have been able to push forward. He could have made a pass, would have yeah. pushed the team forward. It would have been something useful, you know what I mean? The fact that he provides no intensity, like, Anthony, like, Anthony has similar, like, I don't know, was the, I, I, don't, I, I don't like comparing Sancho to Anthony as well, because they're different players, but like... They're different players, Anthony, but they have similar drawbacks in terms of the things that um, doesn't allow them to be that winger, that threatening. Ex- exactly, but you can't criticize Anthony of not having no dog in him. Exactly. And Anthony does not. Anthony does not turn the ball over like every time it comes to his feet. Like he, in fact, he might be our most like reliable player on the ball in the final third. Would you agree with that? Him or Mar- Marshall so so far. Let's 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 use players that actually play football. Like yeah, yeah. Anthony. <laughs> so Sancho on the other hand, when the ball comes to him, and as soon as like the ball comes to his feet, and someone gives him a little nudge in his back, I'm like, yeah, we're t- he's turning this over. Like. He just, he just, he's just not helping right now. He's not helping. So yeah, yeah if he got some dog in his game, that would that would do him. That would that would do him good and do us good. Um. So thank you for that question. Um. This one's from Asad XG. Um. He asked, "Are we good again? Not title hunters good yet, but just good." Um. What's next for Ten Hag? Next for Ten Hag? Well, yeah, well, probably well, progressing the team. Next for yeah, so in terms of progressing the team, what do you oh. need to do? Some some uh, better players. Yeah, we need to, we need need to make some, some some new signings. I think I think he made a good start this summer, but in some in some crucial areas, we need some 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 more quality. Cool. Um... This one's from D Bonds. He said, "He said, Reams, you are right about the Casemiro and Fred partnership." And he and then he then asked, "Who's who's the most effective player at Elanga or Sancho?" <laughs> I think we we kind of we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, no. but I think right now Elanga is probably a more useful player than yeah. than, than than Sancho because if you think about it, what what do we want Sancho to provide? Ball retention, creativity. Some good passing. We're getting that from we're getting that from Anthony on the right wing, mm-hmm. and we're we're missing out on Rashford's dynamism and his ability to run in behind and his pace on the left wing because he has to play up front. So if we already have a bit of what Sancho provides on the right wing, 
you might as well play a langer and 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 provide like play someone that could really stretch teams with his pace and stuff like that but there's no point having two guys that are bought to feet wingers on both wings you know what i mean yeah but Obviously, when Marshall comes back, then we could put Rashford back out on the left. We don't have to hear about Alanga ever again. Yeah, I mean, I just hate Alanga that much. I'd just rather play, continue. I'd rather play Garnacho. I'm being real. I'd rather play Garnacho, but yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing too much of him. He doesn't excite me, but he looks functional. In that's the best way in terms of he looks effective in terms of playing off that left wing. Mm. So I'll be happy with that, and he does have that a bit of intensity to his game as well. So he could be functional there, but I don't think Ten Ten Hag's going to risk it right yeah, now. Like, he's not the most exciting player. He's not like a, a, a tricky, mazy dribbler or anything like that. Yeah. But he, he has he he has the similar skill set to what Alanga has, and he's just got a lot more quality. He's got a better touch. He's yeah. a better dribbler. He could he could create a shot better. Like Alanga's is really fast. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what else does he really have? Like. Um, but just being really fast and being able to dribble the ball really fast is useful in in, in a lot of situations. Um, so this was uh, this was something that the uh, main account put up. Um, they spoke about some players that will be you'll be able to sign for pre contracts in two months. So it was Tielemans, Lymar, Mac, Alistair, Asensio, Kante, Trossard, Indica, Soyuncu, Memphis, Grimaldo, Marcus Turam, Jefferson Lerma, Todd Cantwell, Paulinho. I believe that's the one from Leverkusen. Musa, Dembele, and Hossam Awa. Um, and Slim Popper asked, which which player would you take at United from this crop? He would pick Lima. Um, I, I guess a lot of people like Lima. Um, I don't really see, I don't really see what exactly he provides to the squad that we're missing. Like, I guess he's a versatile midfielder. He could play, could probably like play wing back and stuff like that. Like, you know, box to box, play. He could play a lot of positions. He'd be a good squad option. But I don't really think. He feels like a specific need, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So from that list, I'd be looking at Evan and Dika, you know, young centre-back, French, really good, phys- well. really good physical profile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he'd be worth taking a punt on out of three. I think some hour, he's kind of stagnated a lot over the last few months, but just because of the technical quality and, like, skills he provides. On a three, like, when he was when it was caught in 12 million, I was thinking, we could take a punt on this, like, but on a three... Yeah. I don't see why not. And like my the wild card option is Alexis McAllister. I think he's really underrated. Do you know and what? I a, and I think a lot of these Brighton players ha, um suffer from like Master League syndrome, in which like yeah, like everyone thinks they're just like Castillo. Yeah, they're ca- and, and Menanda. Like you know, like yeah. their players, all of Brighton's players, other than I think Trossard, none of them really have uh, a high profile individual profile. They're like a really yeah. great team, so. People don't realise how good these some of these players are individually. And I think Alexis McAllister is one of those ones. He's really, really good engine, amazing ball striker, set pieces, can really pass. You know what I mean? So I think I think he's a, he's, he's an interesting one. You know, he could play DM, he could play in a pivot. Do you know what's really funny about McAllister? I remember that he came to Brighton as a 10. And I, and yeah, I remember, yeah. And I remember watching him there and I was thinking, this guy stinks. This guy <laughs> Absolutely, I used because I, I because I used to watch Brighton all the time because they had Labti, they had Ben White, Webster, Basuba. That they had a proper team that I, I love watching. And then sometimes they'll play McAllister and be like, This guy absolutely stinks. He kept turning over, he was not good in tight spaces. 
And then this season, because they lost Basuma and they just didn't replace him, Potter just decided to play him as the deepest DM versus us. Absolutely stole the show. And I'm saying, what? where the fuck did that come from? You see what I mean? Sometimes it's, like, sometimes it's a change of circumstances could change could change how a player's perceived. I think, is, is he, how old is he? He's not that old as well, is he? Uh, he's like 24, I believe, because he was quite young when he came to Brighton. And that's like a two, three years ago, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, let me double check. Because I remember when I checked when he first came, he was, yeah, he's 23. He's about 23. to turn. 23, he's about to turn 24, yeah. Yeah, he's about to turn 24. So, like, yeah, he, he'll be, I think the one that stood out to me, same as you, was our, because I'm thinking, I know he's not he's not like a deeper player, but I believe he's played there before. And I think like you you always say that we missed that jinky jinky player. And I feel yeah, like that, him, that, that, that twisty turn he yeah, made like, really like him, yeah. him deeper and like being coached, he will turn into a, because for me, I, Whenever I saw him as that most advanced, he like he I, I saw him was good, but he was not that level to me. The best but I've seen like, him look was in a pivot playing next to Tangi and Dombele. So think about that. Yeah, that's the best he's looked to me in that in that double pivot with Ndombele. W- was that against Man City? Yeah, like, that that season they played in a pivot like quite a lot. Yeah, and I remember so, the game against Man City when Pep come out and I was like, "Yo, like this is one of the best young midfielders in the world." Like, yeah. But I, I feel like him on the free, and then even if you do sign like another midfielder, that's just changed your squad. That means you don't have to rely on a Fred coming in or McTominay coming in. For if like a Ericsson gets injured or a De Jong or what or, or that type of player gets injured, so I believe that that's the one that really stood out for me in Dicker as well because physical, like he's left. I think he's left-footed as well, and I and I believe if if for example Martinez gets injured, we lose that ability to play out from the back from um, with a left foot. So I feel like that's important as well. Um, but yeah, uh, next question: What else is there? Uh, the last one. I think we'll just answer the rest tomorrow on the account. Um, now that United have played all the big six rivals, what would you give ETH out of 10 in terms of management of big games? And what would you give him out of 10 for the season so far? I think I was at 6.5. I think I'm going to push it to a 7 now. Hmm. I'll push it to a 7. Because he's, he's, I think we've, we've, what, what, what? So it's five games against the big six. We've won three, drawn one. That's 10 out of what, 15? Yeah, and that's more, I believe that's the same amount that we got last season. What, like in in all of the games? Yes, in the home games. and away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seven. He's introduced me to a little vibe. So <laughs> he's, he's introduced me to a vibe. I still we, think. I still think. Obviously, we still got. We've, we're only eleven games in, so it's hard to give him more than that. But the progress we've made in this short space of time is very encouraging. And like, I'm just. I keep saying. I know guys don't want to hear it, but if we sign Arnautovic, <laughs> yeah. the, he's currently the top scorer in Serie A. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we sign Arnautovic, we probably would have about four or five more points on the board, I promise. Maybe. But but anyway, but it's, this isn't even specific about Arnautovic. It's just about, even if we, if we sign Morata, 
you probably have about three, four more, point, more points yeah. on the board. So my 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 overlying point is we just need a bit more quality signings in in two or three areas, and we can really start becoming a winning team. What say you? Um, for me, like for me, I like when people talk about um our team and um that we're actually good and that United fans underrate and United fans underrate the team and all that stuff. I can't like I can't forget last season. I, I can't forget last season. Like the that I'm trying that, to desperately. That is the worst team pound for pound I've seen ever. Worst on boys. No, no, that is the worst team by far. Um, hey, we was going into Champions League games with Alanga. <laughs> don't like the football we played. I can't remember a single performance where I thought. We we were a good team. I, I think only Leeds at home, and even then, that was just Leeds. Apart from that, we there's not one game I saw. I thought this is a good football team. Like, hey, not, hey, hey, we had a little vibe on the Carrick for them few games. Oh, do you know what Carrick versus Villarreal? Villarreal. We had a little vibes on the Carrick. That, <laughs> that one was solid. Chelsea was okay. Arsenal was. I think we was okay against Arsenal as well. It was a bit of a yeah, back and forth game, but... Yeah, we, we, we were okay. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if De Gea doesn't stay on the ground, we probably don't concede that early goal. Mm. Anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, outside of those four games, we were generally horrible. And I believe for him to be able to... Like, for me, I was, I, I was not even expecting us to pl- be playing this well until, like, March. I won't even lie to you. Same, like, that's what I'm saying. So for him to be doing this, I, I am really, really impressed. So for me, it's like a 7.5 or like, but there, there's obviously still stuff that I think he can improve on. His rotation, his game management. I still don't like his his talent ID was a bit weird for me. I can't lie. He's we eventually got to a good spot with some with most of most of the players, but the Rabios and the bloody even Veronique. Yeah. Yeah. Veronique. Veronique. I won't say what I said, but <laughs> I won't Veronique, say what I said. You don't know what you did. But I will do it. I I will do it. But um yeah, that's the last question. But I'll I think I'll try and answer the rest tomorrow because mo- a, a lot of them were actually about our attack and S- Sancho. I can't I can't even lie. Um oh. but yeah. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure to use the hashtag to when when you do your comments. Um, yeah, share it. Um, yeah, we out. Peace. Love. Rashford, he's in here. He scores. Marcus Rashford takes yet another step up the ladder. Thank you. And it's a lad from Manchester who scored. Only chance in my team like Man U. Yeah, like Man U. Trying to get in again. Yeah, there he is. There's he is. There he is. Isolated. Skirtle here. Oh, yes! 
last one. Uh, uh, Slap one, snap two, that's your dance one. Like Rashford, I'm a fast one. Thank you, man. Bars in my head like shampoo. Violate my squad, might bang you. Only champs in my team like man you. Yeah, like man you. Thank you, man. Bars in my head like shampoo. Violate my squad, might bang you. Only champs in my team like man you. Yeah, like man you. Podcast Network.